Welcome to the Feathered Desert, a podcast all about desert bird feeding in the southwestern region of the United States. Hi, this is Cheryl, and welcome to the Feathered Desert uh, podcast. Today, we're going to talk about, excuse me, conservation dogs, a bird's BFF. I'm so excited about this one. Yes, I, I am too, actually. Um, in today's world of protecting, protecting wildlife, especially endangered and threatened wildlife, conservation scientists have made significant advances in the speed, accuracy, and reducing the costs in which they are able to analyze DNA. At this time, extracting and interpreting genetic information are no longer the major challenges to understanding rare and endangered species, but finding them is. Dogs have been tools and companions to humans for at least 15,000 years. While we have developed many technologies to adapt to our planet's challenging climate, there are some challenges we simply aren't equipped to handle alone. And in response to the conservation issues and their urgency, a multidisciplinary field has emerged, which I just find so incredible. One in which humans turn to one of their oldest technologies with new applications. Kirsten? Yes, so the question is, what is a conservation dog? And what exactly does the dog do? A conservation dog is a working dog that uses its sense of smell to detect and locate a nature-related target odor. We all know they can smell things way better than we can. Armed with information from animal behavior sciences, wildlife management, ecological monitoring, veterinary shelter medicine, forensics, and much more, a growing group of trained detection dogs and their handlers are being called on to assist global conservation efforts. Oh, just makes me all tingly. (laughs) It might seem that sending dogs out looking for a rare species is more of a looking for a needle in a haystack approach than responsible science, but those who study canine performance sciences say they make perfect sense, <laughs> as in sense and sense, yes. <laughs> Played with the pun. Uh, a dog's nose gives it a distinct advantage over humans. Humans rely more on our eyesight than smell, as we all know. I'm sitting right here wearing glasses on my face so that I can use my eyes, <laughs> especially when it comes to detection. A dog's nose has about 300 million olfactory receptor cells. That's 300 million cells that send signals to the brain compared to our roughly 6 million. 6 million. Not using our noses, we are. Not, no. not really. Dogs have a vemoronasal organ, which is a special patch of sensory cells within the nasal chamber that can detect pheromones. Pheromones, people, not just regular scents, but pheromones. Yes. And other types of chemicals. Yes. So plus, a dog's olfactory bulb, the region in the brain, which is largely responsible processing smell, is three times larger than a human. So these dogs really knows their business. <laughs> That's cute. <laughs> yeah, you got me back. All right. But so there's other characteristics that um, organizations are looking for in um, dogs. So it's not just their nose that makes a dog a good candidate for conservation work. There's social characteristics. So dogs are highly that are highly trainable, cooperative with humans, and they work well with a team. And dogs do not max out when it comes to learning new odors. Dogs are capable of learning up to at least 40 odors 
sequentially. Oh, my gosh. That's a lot. Yes, because we can only differentiate between three perfumes. When you're in a, in a perfume yeah, cabinet, and then only you're done. three, and then the you're done. Over, and they yeah. all smell the same, and they can do 40 without forgetting those they have learned earlier. I can't even do three no. words. <laughs> Dogs can be trained to keep a unique signal for different scent triggers. This just fascinates me. So they can have a different signal for 40 different odors. Yeah, like sitting or pointing or... Um, I've heard yipping, like different barks and stuff. So yeah, that's really very cool. Dogs at work in the field wouldn't be asked to alert to different stimuli, scat, feathers, or bones, uh, for example, all on one job. But that means that they can go out and look for different things. Things so at the different same times, dog. yeah. With proper conditioning techniques, once dogs learn how to learn, their potential scent catalog appears to be limitless. Instead of purchasing dogs, dog handler, handlers teams work with shelters to identify dogs who may be a good fit for the, I love this, eco-detection work. High energy, high motivation, and low kill instinct. Yeah. So that hyperactive dog that the family thought would be a great family pet gets mm -hmm. turned into a shelter, turns out to be an eco-detection dog. Being able to train one dog to detect many scents also cuts costs and tailor the dog to the need. Dogs help scientists to see a different world with a different sense. Yeah, it's crazy. This is making me all tingly. I just, I want one. I know, I want, I want to be part of yes, this work. Yes, I want it's to be part cool. of this work. That's what I'm... So let's talk about some specifics. Three dogs doing, uh, putting their noses, sorry, three dogs doing their work and putting their sense to good work. Yes. Uh, the first dog's uh, name is Sammy. Sammy is a Shiba Inu who had too much energy for his young family, just like we were saying, and was placed in a shelter. Sammy was just the right dog for an organization called Working Dogs for Conservation. He was quickly picked up and put to work. Sammy now lives in Stanley, the capital of the Falkland Islands. This one I remember when we read this story, I just fell in love with little Sammy here, um, with his handler. They live in the Falkland Islands. Together they work to prevent rats and mice from setting foot on the sub-Antarctic island of South Georgia. Once overrun with rodents, this island bird's population plummeted to near extinction. Yes. In 2011, scientists and government officials launched a plan to bring the birds back to the island by getting rid of rats. It took five years and 300 metric tons of poison bait, but they did it. And then they sent detection dogs to sniff out rodent holdouts, and they used traps for that. Ugh. They went to a lot of expense yes. to do this. It's really amazing. In the largest eradication campaign of its kind, this is what this was, this program. In 2018, the island was declared rodent-free. They should get kudos for that. Definitely. So Sammy's job is to actually inspect every boat that is headed to South Georgia Island. Whether it is a boat full of birders or a tiny fish boat not planning to stop at the island, it doesn't matter. Sammy is going to sniff it out and see if it has a rodent on board. All boats, ships, etc., everything, have to stop yeah. in Stanley before heading to the in the island's direction, not even to the island. Yes. If it comes within a mile of the island, yes. Sammy has to sniff it out because yes. a rat can deboard and swim at least a mile yes. to the island. So each boat has to get Sammy's okay. Today, Sammy has found one rat and one mouse, and the island is on a fast track to ecological restoration. So the different types of birds that are found in South Georgia are some of the largest penguin colonies that we have on the planet. 
There's albatross, petrels, shags, skuas, gulls, terns, and the South Georgia pintail and the South Georgia pipit. All told, 65 million breeding birds from 30 different species will visit this island every year. Yes. I think Sammy gets a gold star. Yes. Yes, and the thing is, is that Sammy's having been fun doing it. Yeah, he doesn't he know thinks, it's a job. No, they, that's that's so cool. They think it's a game. Yeah. And, um, he's, All right, Cheryl's got another really cool one for us too. So in the in the desert north of Palm Springs, California, wind farms are being studied to better understand the impacts of wildlife on wildlife in this new green energy source. So Indy, I got three dogs here. Indy, Lady, and Filson are the sharp-nosed workaholics that scour rocky terrain at night to find the bits and pieces of wildlife that flew too close to the whirling blades. So, wind farms do not kill as many birds as outdoor cats or bu- building glass, which I found um, striking. Yeah. And, and I mean no pun there. I mean, I was just, wow, that's a surprise. But the loss is still great. So each piece a dog finds is a data point that will ultimately help to protect other birds and bats as companies install more turbines to drive the, uh, to cleaner energy. Right. Uh, wind energy is growing and wind operators can take steps to re- reduce mortality around their turbines. But those measures only work when the energy companies and regulators have a solid uh, grasp on the interactions between wind farms and wildlife right and that's what these dogs do these dogs are a big part of collecting the data yeah and that's super interesting i'm a big fan of wind farms but yeah we've got to figure out how we can live with those wind farms and use that wind that we have to give us green energy but not hurt our birds that are migrating and our bats and stuff that migrate through those areas all right so luna here luna's awesome she lives in hawaii so I, I like Luna quite a lot. This is our third dog, Luna, in Hawaii. Hawaii's wetlands are actually habitat for endangered and endemic birds, including the Hawaiian black-necked stilt, the lacen duck, and the Hawaiian duck, or the Koloa Maya. Uh-oh, this is, this is Hawaiian. Sorry for those of you who know how to say this. I don't want to butcher it. Ka- Koloa Maoli. Koloa Maoli. These wetlands are also home to a deadly bacterium that has killed thousands of the state's waterfowl and shorebirds. This naturally occurring pathogen can produce a neurotoxin that, if ingested, causes a paralytic disease known as avian botulism. I gave Kirsten all the hard words. Yes, of course. That's all right. You're getting me back for many, many uh, podcasts where you had to do them. Um, When a bird dies of botulism, insects and other invertebrates will feed on the carcass and accumulate the biotoxin in their bodies. So if those insects are then eaten by another bird, that bird will contract the disease and then the cycle will repeat itself. So Hanalei National Wildlife Refuge has been a hot spot for the illness since it became a chronic problem there in 2011. The next five years, the avian botulism sickened or killed at least 931 water birds, 90% of which were federally protected and endangered. Wildlife managers did their best to remove the dead birds, but inevitably missed some. I mean, when you're sick and you're a bird, you're not going to just like stand up right. and be like, I'm going to die out here in the middle. No, you're going to get under a bush yeah. because you're like, I feel bad and something's going to eat me. Yeah. So they'll get underneath there. So every dead bird missed could actually create 100 more dead birds because bugs and insects, they're going to yeah. take advantage of that. Yeah. So Luna, with her handler, walks the refuge, sniffing out dead bird bodies, detecting a carcass more than 275 feet away. 
And we, walking around using our eyes, would have to literally be right on it. We yeah, would have, have to be six inches you, away from that bird to see it. Can you imagine how time-consuming it would be, people having to work? Yeah. And sometimes we can smell the decay, depending on the size of the bird. But, once again, we would have to probably be within a foot of that bird to be able to smell that. And if that bird is past that really, pardon the pun, ripe moment of decay, we're not going to notice it. We're not yeah. going to smell it at yeah. all. So she's actually quick to find them, Luna is, because she's so bright and got that great nose and covers more ground than people on foot. So with Luna and other detection dogs working the refuge in Hanalei, Hawaii's endangered birds stand a better chance with these super stiffers working hard to ensure their survival. Yes. So conservation dogs have helped protected species for over 40 years on the island of New Zealand where these dogs work to protect the... The kakapo. The kakapo, thank you. And the kiwi. Sniffing out these ground-dwelling birds for counting, for tagging, and monitoring nests. Dogs can be trained to find just females or just males or just nests with or without eggs. That's pretty cool. I mean, this is amazing. So, in closing, dogs are not just man's best friend anymore. 